0: This is Rooster Radio with Andrew Montessi and James Begley. We've brought you a couple of episodes from Mumbrella's Sports Marketing Summit and in our third and final instalment we sit down with Ed Cowan. Ed is a former Test Match opening batsman who has played cricket at the highest levels over many years. He's not your average sportsman. He's also a commentator, businessman, student and father who is known as the thoughtful, intelligent and articulate alternative to the cliche athlete. But don't call him the thinking man's cricketer. It's a title that frustrates Ed as we discuss in our interview. Talking to Ed allows us to go a little deeper into the world of sport and its personalities. Ed also shares the lessons learned from sport that he now applies to business and life, and much more. This episode is brought to you by Pickstar, the place to connect with sports stars and high-profile people such as Ed for any commercial engagement or experience you can imagine. Guest speakers, ambassadors, just about anything. Pickstar works fast with any budget register your opportunity at pickstar.com.au enjoy our chat ed thanks
1: for joining us on rooster radio um my first question you did you deliberately build your thinking man cricketers brand
2: well thanks for having me and then (laughs) throwing a little curveball straight at me smack in the face um, no, I don't think you know when you um, live in the world of cricket, and it's I mean you you would have seen bags in the world of AFL how um, how the press reports the game, and the press dictates you know things from. Uh, From branding, you know, to a the the way people see you, right through to selection, in in some respects, and a lot of the time, uh, journalists are inherently lazy, and someone you know might create a a line, and that line becomes another line, and and all of a sudden, it it snowballs into a brand that you you never really thought it would. So, in that sense, it's uh, not frustrating. I I think it probably it's an easy line to trot out. you know, just like the the line about you, you being a boring, you know, cricketer or a mediocre footballer, whatever it might be, um, it's not necessarily always true. But it is what it is. Uh, I'll let you ask you this question, but I've got a an interesting sort of insight, and and Ricky Ponting w- would be the example that I would use. Um, you know, he he was promoted as a tough bastard, basically, a bloke from. You know, tough upbringing in Launceston, around the dog track, the dish liquors in Lonnie, um, you know, punches transvestites in King's Cross, you know, <laughs> but you meet this bloke and you think, oh God, you know, should, loveliest human being you'll ever meet, cares more about the people in his team than I've ever seen, um, would go out of his way to make new players feel welcome, would... Ensure that the weakest person in your team is always being pushed and tested. You know, like a, a big brother, a dad, and yet you'd open a paper and everyone was nailing him about something. So, there's a the, my point being. I'm sorry to ramble on. The, the disparity between fact and fiction is huge, and and you don't really see it until you've lived it. Um.
1: Monty's going to struggle to get a question in here because he knows my love and passion <coughs> of cricket I'm and and, sure. <laughs> and also because you've mentioned that journalists <laughs> are in, in some sense the enemy and you and I are both, a- both athletes. So we're on the same team team here. But uh, it, it, look, it's a, it is a, it's a fantastic point. I mean, separate from the media just building it up though, what are the components mm. that you believe make you a, a thoughtful, analytical person?
2: Um, I guess it's probably my interests away from cricket that sort of morph into uh, your brand as a cricketer. You know, I I wrote a book, for instance. Um, It was a a diary of the season Um, and, and, you know, it it was more of a a self-reflection, really. It was a a diary I kept through a a first-class cricket season, Uh, but it was something that I wanted to explore more for my own benefit. When I wrote it, I didn't realise it was going to be published. And when it was published, I was like, oh, shit, it's out there now. But, all, you know, that, so that that's a 5% contribution into the bucket, thinking man's cricketer. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're on Twitter and you're tweeting about four corners, thinking man's cricketer, another 5%. <laughs> you know, like, well, what's he doing tweeting about it? He should be saying, oh, what a disappointing performance it was today and oh, I'm sad I didn't come away with two points like that. So as soon as you're not meeting the mould of what is expected... Then you just you just throw it into these little buckets, and my bucket has happened to be thinking man's cricketer
0: to defend journalists, <laughs> particularly on okay, this, thanks, mate. this <laughs> thinking man's cricketer angle. You, the key point there is it's because you're different.
2: Yeah, uh, but I'd like to see that uh, like that dug a little bit deeper mm, um, in, ter- in terms of uh, and the quality of journalism. Don't get me wrong; can be great. There've been some great writers on cricket who have got to know players and. But that that might be a easy line to trot out, but mm. it's the it's the next moron that trots it out. Mm. Do you know what I mean? The and the next moron after that that trots it out that hasn't explored that or given any reason. Ed Cowan, former Australian batsman, the thinking man's cricketer. What, what's <laughs> that? That's got nothing to do with the rest of the article yeah. because. So my, my point being, it just becomes a random cliche where it start. It, it was probably a genuine comment to start with, but it snowballs.
0: So as a. Different cricketer then. How how did that translate in the locker room? Were you different to the other guys? Were you accepted as much as the other guys? Did you fit in as well?
2: Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I guess every athlete goes through a transition of acceptance, and that has a lot to do with performance. And, and you would have seen it, um, you know, in your footy career. You can be. There are two types of difference. There's different. And you're in the team, and you create something different, or there's different and troublesome. If you're different and troublesome, you you kind of get shot. Unless you're very, very good. Unless you're Kevin Peterson, you, people don't want to know you. So I was sort of in the other basket, or Stuart McGill might have been the other. Stuart McGill might have been the other kind of uh, different and troublesome. Um, but if you're different and love your team, and I love playing in the team, I love my teammates, I love winning, and we'll do anything for anyone to make sure that we do win. So that kind of different then depends on, your acceptance depends on how well you do basically and when you're young you get the shit kicked out of you, that's how it works. Uh, If you cop that on the chin and you come back stronger, you score a few runs, win a few games for your team, all of a sudden you're different and we love you and that, that grows I guess.
1: One of the things that stood out for me in the locker room was I always admired people who had that inner self-belief to be genuine to their passions and not just become a clone of the best player in the team. Yeah. And the people that I've maintained my friendships with yeah. are the ones that are different. I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. who, who have you maintained friendships with, both at, you know, <coughs> across a state level but also a national level?
2: Yeah, that, that's, um, that's a, a really... Interesting insight, and, and certainly, I, you know, my initial reaction is I 100% agree. Um, because that's not to say that you don't like the other guys you play cricket with, but your connection is probably with with, with those kind of guys. So, uh, at a state level, for instance, now, um, you know, Ryan Carter's who's 25 or sorry, he's 26 yesterday. Uh, you know, has started a, a charity that educates uh, Indian women, and he's passionate about it, and. Uh, has done great things through the Big Bash in, in raising a lot of money, a lot of money um, f- for his charity that he started off the bat, and has been to the Khan Academy since. And you know he's a he's a he's a different guy, but I I really connect with him, and I would be um, imagine that I will be friends with him. Furthermore, the guys that I have played with in the past, guys like Greg Mail, who um, is now in the corporate world, um, you know, George Bailey, th- these kind of guys that are. They're they're good human beings that play cricket. They're not cricketers who happen to be good human beings. I think if that makes sense, um, uh, they're kind of people that regardless of whether you play cricket, I was lucky enough to play cricket with these people, but they're they're good people uh, to start with and inherently they're the kind of people you want to hang out with. So I
1: imagine you're not the sort of person who would big note your previous achievements at a dinner party and and when you do meet someone who who actually doesn't know your past how do you talk about the ingredients in your world mm. and of which being a cricketer might come up but what where do you start in terms of um describing you know to someone who doesn't know you what you do
2: and yeah, what you have done That's a <laughs> you're on fire mate. um <laughs> So, I, you know, and it happens quite a bit. It's a situation you do find yourself in. Uh, what do you do? And you're kind of faced with the dilemma of rolling out, I play cricket, and you see the eyes sort of roll in the back of the head. Um that's not to say I'm, not, I'm, I'm very proud of my career and I love playing cricket. So you kind of pick your audience and some of the times you, you trot it out and you say, oh, you know, I play cricket and you let the conversation unfold to politics or, you know, other things and they kind of realise that there's a bit more depth to, to what you're doing. Um, or alternatively, what do you do? Oh, I run a shitty small business that doesn't make any money. Oh, yeah, well, you know, what what problems do you face? And, you know, what are you doing next weekend? oh, I'm playing cricket. Oh, you play cricket? You know, so there is, I guess there's a whole way of attacking uh, that conversation, and it is a conversation that comes up a lot. (laughs) So you kind of, you pick and choose, I guess. I've been a full-time student a few times, down the the Golden (laughs) Chief, Wednesday nights. (laughs) Well,
0: let's look at some of these (laughs) other elements um, to you then, Ed. Um, Tripod coffee. Tell us a little bit about that and where it's at as a company at the moment.
2: Uh, so we, as you guys probably know, the, the bigger you get, the bigger your headaches, uh, which is our motto at the moment. So <laughs> 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 yeah. So we, I mean, we've we been going 18 months and you know, when you're in the daily grind, you kind of lose track of, of how <laughs> yeah. um, you, you kind of lose track of your little wins along the way because you're always sort of focusing on the people that are saying no. Uh, but if you... You know, we have these kind of assessment periods every, you know, naturally at the end of a quarter and you look back and think, geez, we've actually created something significant here pretty quickly. You, do do? Uh, yeah, so uh, so we, we sell uh, recyclable Nespresso-compatible capsules um, that are filled with amazing coffee. But primarily... We didn't like the landfill aspect of, of Nespresso capsules, and so we, you know, hunted down a, a capsule that you can stick in a recycle bin, and we're pretty close to to bring out a capsule that's f- um, fully not only biodegradable, uh, but compostable. So you can stick it in your garden bin and it will degrade down to, to nothing within 90 days. So that that's a bit of a game changer. So, you know, we've got an, a competitive advantage in some aspects for this bloody crowded market and, and the retail market's a bloody tough market to crack. So we kind of found a few little cracks in the market at five-star hotels that have nespresso machines in room and and thought you know let's attack them and we now supply i think eight of the the top 11 hotels in the country and and some other five-star hotels around the world um which you know we're very proud of you know off the back of nothing essentially um you know we've got a little online business that that sort of ticks over and and you know we're on the shelves of some sort of high-end retailers but yeah, we've learned some, it's, we're basically living out a real life MBA, you know, like it's like a case study in how to run a business um, and doing your best to try and make it successful.
0: So with your background in high performance, how does that translate into business? What <coughs> skills have you been able to bring across or perhaps has that high performance background made it even more difficult in a way yeah. to then go and start a business? I'd
2: say probably easier uh, and, and my business partner uh, was, in, was a, a professional cricketer for five years as well so... Um, we sort of have a, an understanding of each other already, which is nice from a partnership point of view, but um, directly translatable. I, I think the ability to, to look in the mirror and have a bit of mirror time and, and, and honestly or with each other and, and not give it to each other, but you know, be open and accountable, that's the only way that we find that we improve. And, and you find that those kind of conversations happen a lot in professional sport and can be uncomfortable but you get to learn to deal with them but they don't happen a lot in business. Uh, people are scared of, of, of those kind of tough conversations. So we have a lot of those tough conversations and I think that's certainly to our benefit. Um, I think the general work ethic, you know, that you build up around being professional sportsman translates. Um, it's not a nine-to-five job. We work all through the night, some nights, and, you know, we're willing to do that because we know coming across from sport that you know that's that's how you get better at sport you do it you do it over and over and over again and and you repeat things that work um with the hope that that it's going to work sometimes it doesn't and when it doesn't you work out pretty quickly why and i guess that's the other aspect is reflection Uh, i think a lot of people in in business from what i can gather don't reflect enough but sport is part performance part preparation and part reflection And, and if those ingredients don't come in then consistency never really occurs when has that resilience been tested the most
1: in your cricketing life and when has it also been tested significantly in your business
2: life yeah Yeah. Uh, well I think cricket is a is a is a rare sport in that it's a team sport but it's played on the basis of individual results so your resilience is tested day after day in a sense that Um, regardless of of team performance, and and that's the end goal of winning a game. If you don't score any runs and you don't do it consistently, it's pretty obvious. (laughs) Uh, Where in footy you can still get a couple of good touches or, hey, might sneak a goal here and there, but you've played like shit, but, you know, but you win, then, you know, it kind of gets broomed over you get a couple of ducks at the top of the order and the scorecard in the paper um, every day reads zero so my point being that I would say every day in cricket's a test uh, more so than other sports mainly because the results are so objective um, but when have I been tested the most I'd say that the test teams are a very unique situation it's a it's the only cricket that's played at that time of year <laughs> It's the national focus. There's only one team, and so people are just after you. They're after you the whole time. Um, rightly, you, you know, you can score a test 100 one week. If you miss out the next week, they, they don't care about the week before. Uh, there aren't many credits in the bank, so I'd say those two years I spent in the, in the national team were, were certainly eye-opening in terms of what I was learning about my own resilience i'm gonna
1: mirror the same question with business in a second but it reminded me of a comment that i had that justin langer made when i was talking to him and i couldn't believe it but he said there was a time in one of the tours against sri lanka and he was really still pretty raw and young in the team and he just battled with the self-doubt that he shouldn't be there he didn't belong and i'm thinking here's a guy who's in the australian cricket team worrying about this stuff um uh, but it he said he had to work really hard, even mm. at that level, yeah. to begin to get it right. Um, did you ever go through phases where you you weren't sure or you yeah. doubted? Uh,
2: I think I think doubt is a bit of a double edged sword. Uh, in a sense that it's in if you can overcome that, and and I would say in cricket, due, due to because the variety of conditions you play in, it's not a football field that is the same distance. You you go to India. And you play four test matches on four different wickets uh so you are, you know i've looked at a wicket and you're gone, how the hell am i getting runs on this but that's that's a moment of doubt and you've got a realization well i can either kick here or i can fade yep. and if i want to kick how am i going to do it so you're constantly overcoming that fear and that's a good thing i think because you are constantly digging deep to get the best out of yourself if you don't fear anything I think then it becomes uh, a pretty bland experience.
1: I love it because we're conditioned to think that it's the elimination of self-doubt that's the goal. Yeah, And it means that every time that fleck comes into your mind, you're sort of half going, well, I failed that test, didn't I? Yeah. But I guess what you're saying is it's always going to be there. It's just how you let that wash through, how you process that yeah. and, then, and then flip that around to then
2: say, what do I have to do? Yeah. And that's a constant. Yeah. I, I, you know, whether you're playing club cricket or test cricket in India, I, I think that, as, you know, as I said, that's, that constant overcoming of self-doubt or fear of failure, I think, is another way of looking at it. If there's none of that, do you care? You know, it's, it's so sometimes when you're not fearing getting out, your tummy's not rumbling with the excitement that there's something at stake here. Uh, and I think that's almost time to, when you say, I'm done with this.
0: This is going to sound like a Nuffy cricket question, but bear with me. Who's the fastest bowler you've ever faced? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. <laughs> is Warney such a big dickhead as well? <laughs> you can answer those questions after if you want, but what does it take? What are the elements required into making a test match tonne? And I'm not just talking mm. about your stock standard stuff of, you know, hitting fours, yeah, middle of the bat, being in good form, like... What, how do you build how do you build yeah. that innings
2: yeah well i think <laughs> i think it starts i mean obviously the physical stuff and the technical stuff starts years before it happens but i would say whether cricket if it's 100 doesn't really matter if it's 86 or 210 they they're good days you know they you either have a good day or a bad day or a middling day um, so what i would say about those good days uh, they start well. The, pre- the mental preparation starts well before what you'd probably realise. And a lead up to a test match is a mental preparation and a crescendo to that first ball, more so than a physical pre- preparation. You can, you know, if you're battling with the bat, then there's a physical element. If you're playing well, I, w- I would say what the, the, the biggest ingredient is creating a clarity of your own mind and a mental freshness, so that you can perform your skill over and and cricket again unique sport and that you need to do it for a long period of time to get a hundred well not if you'd ever want it can take two hours if mm. it's me it takes six hours or longer so you, with that one chance you need to be very good for a very long period of time and the mental clarity over that long period of time takes a a long time to kind of be able to to tune in and out of that if, if that makes any mm. sense so Routine, mental routine. So, so in and over? In and in an over, over. What happens? I would, so I would, uh, you know, you see the uh, one extreme is South Jassari or Steve Smith touching his box, thigh guard, helmet. That's just a, a mental routine that they're putting themselves through to say, I'm ready for the next ball. But are they zoning out? In yeah, that 100%. They... They, so people go practice their golf swing at square legs, yeah. sing a song, see if they can pick their dad in the audience, uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing surer than a mediocre day than being hundred percent switched on from the moment the ball's released to the time the bowler walks around. You, you're good for about a session. Yeah. But if you want to be you know if you want to have a little bit uh, more longevity of your day, then you need to really switch off and then I'd say you don't even really switch on until the ball is maybe half a second from release. So you might still be standing there with the bat in the hand, looking at the bowler run in, but if you're like, oh, come on, mate, come on, come on, you've got to watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball. Like, there's only so much energy that you can expend doing that. So I would say uh, tapping and breathing, yep. you know, so I'd tap the bat, two deep breaths and maybe another breath, and then it'd be like, okay, hit it down the ground. Whatever your cue is at the time for that bowler, you might use a different cue, but certainly coming in and out of, of that... Uh, mental gymnastics of, of engagement.
1: Now, just moving it on a little bit because we are here at the Mumbrella Sports Marketing Conference um, of which we've just participated with you on a panel. Um, one of the questions that I've got is how has the Big Bash, you know, in a marketing and a product sense taken, you know, Australia by storm and created such momentum?
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been huge. Um, not so much for your Steve Smiths or your Mitchell Starks or your David Warners, uh, you know, they're in the they're in the national um, eye anyway. It's more for your run-of-the-mill, what, what we used to describe as run-of-the-mill domestic cricketers and now legends. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're now people that are being watched by one and a half million people on a Tuesday night in your school holidays as opposed to in front of six people no knowing your name. So I think it's basically just expanded... The pyramid um, You know it was very pointy At the top And it's now You know Certainly More e- elongated I reckon uh, And and what a great product Great to watch I love watching it Probably more than I play it Because I'm shit at it um, But it, It's You know And the challenge is Without getting too uh, On my high horse The challenge is to How are we going to Maintain the integrity Of Test cricket While growing This fantastic product Because
1: Tension, you know, Test Cricket is all about tension, you know, that, yeah. I, I believe anyway. Yes. And I'm, I'm disappointed now that, that Test Cricket has, you know, they, they try and get 500 runs in innings and that because yeah. some of the greatest cricket you'll ever watch is 130 in England and you've got to defend it. Absolutely. Um, how can you begin to maintain two separate products?
2: Yeah, well, I, I think the best way to do it is to make them exactly that, make them nothing similar to So with the Big Bash, I would, wouldn't promote it as cricket. You know, the 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 cricket needs to hold up as entertainment, and not from a fireworks cheerleading point of view, but the entertainment of seeing the athleticism, the entertainment of seeing a close finish, the entertain. But that is very different to the nuance, the nuanced entertainment of Test cricket, and the there's so much luck in T20. You can. And you know, don't get me started. In, in a sense that, you, as a spectator, you realise that a, a good day is not really a great day. It's but for, you know, for a bowler or a batsman in T Twenty cricket, it's just a day. It's a day where you might hit two balls for six and be the hero. In Test cricket, that doesn't exist. So you know, it's a, well said. It's about the moment. So in that sense, I think Test cricket, if you can keep marketing it as the pinnacle of the game from a mental point of view, from a technical point of view from a tactical point of view from a spectacle point of view then you'll still have that product and then you have this other product over here which is purely based on the entertainment that is derived from watching it
0: Well Ed Conscious that you've got a meeting. Thanks so much. You've got to for go your sell time. some
2: coffee capsules, mate. Is that right?
0: It's yeah. a, a tripod-related meeting. Tripodcoffee.com.au. Yeah.
2: yeah, he's probably the best place. So you can just. You know, Shoot us an email at tripodcoffee.com. So a you can, you can order through your website? You can, yeah. And yeah, some
0: key stockers around. Key stockers, so
2: if you live in New South Wales, Harris Farm, mm-hmm. um, Markets. Uh, what
0: about Adelaide? What have we got in Adelaide? Uh, your garage got any
2: <laughs> <laughs> Got any spare storage? Exactly.
0: Uh. Bakes? Oh, yeah, no, 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 After this, mate, when we hit stop, contacts. we've got, a, got some contacts, contacts for you. Contacts. So thanks so much for your time, mate. Thanks, thanks. for coming out to Mumbrella Sports Marketing Summit as well. Thanks for having me cheers and just
1: quickly um, would love to sit down and have a beer with another great Australian cricketer so I look forward
0: to having that beer Ed I'll just get it on radio so that it happens we hope you enjoyed our chat with Ed Cowan if you want to book Ed or people like him for a guest speaking gig ambassador role event anything register at pickstar.com.au, the place to connect with sports stars if you're enjoying Rooster Radio, make sure you rate us on iTunes and visit roosterradio.biz to sign up for events and news. Also join us at facebook.com slash roosterradiohq.